0: Romans chapter 12, (coughs) if you're looking for that, you'll find it after Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Acts. So Romans chapter 12, starting at verse (coughs) 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the reading.
1: Uh, good morning, friends. Uh, it's uh, great to be with you this morning and um, really nice to see you. And particularly wonderful uh, to be looking at this part of God's Word, which um, I can tell you has been particularly uh, important for me this year and for Erica and what's been a very difficult uh, year for us, particularly the last uh, six months in a number of ways. Um, so I'm glad that we're looking at this part, if, if not for your sake and certainly for mine, uh, this morning. Let's pray again and then we'll look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, uh, we are so grateful that you've not left us uh, to grow up in the dark and try to work out life, or for that matter, find our way to you. Father, we thank you that you have approached us in the Lord Jesus. Uh, you've approached us in the gift of your spirit. You've approached us with the gift of your word. We pray this morning, please, would you enable us to hear you clearly and respond uh, as we ought. And we pray it for Jesus' honour and glory. Amen. Uh, as we start off uh, time this morning, I, I want to uh, say to you a confession of sorts, that it's um, it's funny what comes into your head uh, as you're preparing uh, a sermon and what comes and is uh, pretty much sometimes locked into your head as you're preparing uh, a sermon. Um, I want to say for me and for Romans 12, um, it was the 1980s rock song, Do You Want to Know What Love Is? Um, I want to ask, does anyone know that the song... Okay. Well, this is about to get more embarrassing for me than this view. I want to show you that the song goes something like this: "Do you want to know what love is?" <laughs> and that's a that's a, a, a rock pull down. Do you want me to show you? Okay, that's out of the way. Um, the reason the reason I think and I hope that that got locked in my head is because as we come to this part of God's Word, we come to this part of the Bible. God wants to ask us, do you want to know what love is? And do you want me to show you? After all, we don't have to go far to realise that at the core of each and every one of us is a deep desire for love. As one famous anthropologist wrote, people compose poetry, novels, sitcoms for love. They live for love, die for love, Kill for love. It can be stronger than the drive to stay alive. And not, of course, just a boy for girl or husband to wife, but among friends, family, community, church. As God will command us again and again in his word, and not just to his redeemed people, but to all his created people, love one another. Love one another. Love one another. And the question is, of course, how? What does it look like in real and rugged life? Now, we live in a world, of course, that's that's constantly teaching its own view of love, in its songs, in its books, in its movies, in its relationships. A love that's misused romantically and given selectively and distorted selfishly. A love that many of us, in fact, I suspect all of us, have been hurt by and burnt by and disappointed by. So, as we come at this part of the Bible today, God says, Do you want to see a better way? Do you want to know what love is? Now, the story so far in Romans is important. God's already laid out for us His own beautiful love. At the start of Romans 12, His own magnificent mercies. His mercy to save His people despite our deserving the opposite. To change His people when we had no hope of changing ourselves at the cost of His Son and through faith in Him alone. God has declared his people right even when they were wrong. He's given his people peace even when we were enemies. And not in some fickle or temporary way, but because of his promise, because of his plans and his choice. And the question becomes, how do you respond to that? How do we rightly and together Worship this God for all He's done for you. And the answer again is love. Let me show you love, Paul says, there, verse 9, Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So the first thing Paul tells us about love is that it must be sincere. In other words, it must be genuine and real. The, the, the Greek word, word translated sincere, he's pronounced anhypocrites. And literally it means unhypocritical. Uh, hypocrite, you might remember, was the word Jesus used to describe the Pharisees. And it, and it means acting, pretending, faking. And Paul tells us here our love must not be like that. You know, I heard a a story once of a huge department store that received an angry letter from an irate customer and in response they wrote back one of those uh, form letters to kind of pacify the customer. But this one, interestingly, had a significant and I think revealing typo mistake. Here's what they wrote. Dear Sir, although we receive hundreds of letters every day and have many thousands of customers, we can assure you we fake a personal interest in each one. I'm pretty sure they were going for take there. Our love must not be like that, Paul says. It's simply not enough to, to love one another to their face. Nice words, warm smile. But then to the gossip behind their back. You know, to say we'd do anything, but then actually do nothing. To give an impression of love, but to deep down have no real concern and to take no actual initiative. Our love must be real, Paul says. The same in public as it is in private. The same in word as it is in deed. The same to someone's face as it is behind their back. Indeed, anything other than that, did you notice? You and I should hate, hate. You know, when, when my kids were younger, uh, they'd sometimes use the word hate. I hate these beans, Daddy. Or I hate needles. And I, and I remember responding, "No, no, 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 darling, you don't hate them." You just don't like them. It's not good to hate. Christians don't hate. But what does God say? Yes. Yes, you do. Maybe not beans and needles, but, but here God commands my little children and the rest of us too to hate. To hate with a passion the kind of selfishness and hypocrisy that distorts real love. And instead, do you notice, to cling with all our might to the doing of good, to the doing of good that springs from real love. Our love must be real, Paul says. And it must be deep too. See verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. See, I wonder if you would pick one thing in your life that you are devoted to, what would it be? Or more interestingly, I wonder if others around about you would pick one thing in your life that they see you are devoted to. I wonder what would it be? What takes up your passions, and your focus, and your energy? You know, is it the career, or the car, or the coffee, or the kids? You know, is it the TV, or the sport I see, this time of year, or, or that precious special someone? See, But whatever it is, Paul says, it, it's time to rethink it. You ought to be devoted to one another, but which I think he means to this group of people here. See, if you've worked it out yet, um, church is not, in fact, a petrol station. Because I think that's how we're tempted to treat it sometimes, isn't it? Sunday morning rolls around and we just kind of drive in, fuel up and drive off. Uh, don't get me wrong, we, we, we want to be polite, want to be rude. If we see someone at the bow's next to us, or perhaps the pew next to us, and, you know, we give them a wave, hey, hey. hey. I mean, But we didn't come for them, did we? They didn't come for us, did they? No, we just happened to be in the same place at the same time, just both here to fuel up and and move on. See, God calls us to so much more than that to a deeply devoted love. A love that refuses to merely sit where we are, but which gets up and reaches out to the other people in this room. And a love that you notice there that whenever it can, it swings the spotlight off itself and onto one another. It's a love that longs to see the people sitting around us and not us praised and served and honoured. See, the love we're to have, Paul says, is to be real and deep and. And persistent, verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now I want to say, if you're anything like me, you probably feel like Paul suddenly changed the topic and he's moved on from love somehow, but see, again, he hasn't. Again, on this topic of love, Paul takes us back to that thing or better, that one who feeds and fuels our love. I want to say in this verse, Paul takes us back to to him who first loved us, to to the one in whom we have hope, to the one for whom we wait, to the one to whom we pray. After all, it's our love for God, isn't it? That's so intimately connected to our love for one another. They're, they're, they're tangled together or perhaps better woven together. After all, do you remember Jesus replied when he was asked for the single greatest commandment, Matthew 22? Jesus replied, "Love, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. See, sneaky Jesus, he was asked for one, but he gives us two. But he's right, isn't he? He knows they go together like hand in glove. The first fuels the second, the second follows the first. And so keep your fuel pumping process, keep your fire burning devote yourself to serving him and you will inevitably serve one another. After all, who is it who's going to love those around them with a real, deep, persistent love? It's those with the power to lift their eyes, as we heard in the kids' talk, away from themselves and First, up to him. Those who, verse 12, joyfully, patiently, prayerfully look in love to the one who loved them first. One of the great joys of my week in the AFS ministry on campus is meeting with the staff team every Monday morning. And the first hour or so we spend either reading a book together or reading the Bible, praying together. And over the last couple of weeks we've been reading a particular wonderful book on the cross and just recently, a uh, couple of weeks or two ago, we read this particular section on reconciliation and in it the author insisted that Christians must live at peace with other Christians. No matter the hurt caused, no matter the pain felt, Christians must live in love with other Christians. And you know, as we read that section, one of the staff with tears in her eyes, stopped us and asked, but how? How? And I want to say, if you've ever lived through serious conflict, you'll understand her question. And you'll understand her tears. How can you love like this? Well, the way you do it is look first to him. Remember first his love for you, that you might love those around about you. And so Paul says, do that in hope, with patience, with joy. Don't lose steam. Love persistently. And you notice love practically, verse 13. Share with God's people, so we're talking about first, who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hospitality. I want to say that the word practice is actually a little bit of a cop-out in our translation. Literally, the word is pursue, or or even persecute. Let's persecute one another with practical love, Paul says. Let's know one another so well that we know their needs materially, physically, and then let's kind of attack one another with it. Can you imagine? Need a bit more food this week? Pow! Cop that. Need a lift to church? Bam! Here's a lift. And let's get personal about it. Let's have one another inside our homes. And not just our friends, but perhaps a couple of friends and a couple of people who are still strangers to us in this church. See, let's get our hands dirty with love, Paul says. See, the love God calls us to it's real, it's deep, it's persistent, it's practical. And bottom line, it's a love that puts the other first. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Do not be conceited. Even when they get the girlfriend or the boyfriend that you really wish you had, Rejoice with them because you put them first. Even when perhaps after years and years of marriage they fall pregnant and you wish you could, rejoice with them because you put them first. Even when they're hurting and you don't know what to say because there just is nothing to say and it's all so awkward and it'd just be easier to walk away. Mourn with them because you put them first. And do it, Paul says, whether they're the director or the doorman, do you notice? Popular or unpopular. Be willing to stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be willing to put them first. You know, the uh, author Mark Twain wants to define love as the irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired while that might perfectly capture our world's idea of love, do you see how far that is from God's? That's a love that's always pointing back to me. That's always being all about me. But how much better is this? How much better is God? His is a love that always points to the other. That always focuses its interest on them, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, always for them. But of course, if you know the Lord Jesus, that really shouldn't be a surprise to it, should it? Uh, if you, do you remember how God loved us? Do you remember what he did and when he did it? While we were his enemies, God sacrificed his son. While we were his enemies, his son died for us. And that's now what he calls us to do. To offer ourselves, as we'll say earlier in this chapter, as living sacrifices, pleasing him and serving others. Even, chapter goes on, even when those others are our enemies, See, if you thought Romans 12 was pretty countercultural and really kind of difficult, you ain't seen nothing yet. Look there, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In other words, wish the best for those who attack you and then actively seek the best for them. The person at school who makes your life hell. The person at work who seems out to get you. Those who attack, and if you're reading the world, anything like I'm reading the world, it seems that there's more and more of these. Those who attack you, perhaps even physically, because of your trust in Jesus, seek the best for them. I don't know about you, but but I can't help but hear Jesus' words echoing here. Can you, Matthew 5? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Or or Luke chapter 6, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You know, they say the ex-premier of Russia, Nikita Khrushchev, once told the American press, we communists have many things in common with the teaching of Jesus Christ. But our big difference is this. When someone hits me on the right cheek, I hit him on the left so hard that his head falls off. <laughs> and I want to say that's actually quite a difference. <laughs> but that's the way of the world, isn't it? Retaliation. Revenge. Revenge. Payback. There wouldn't be an action movie without it, but that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way of love. Verse 17 Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It's about you, but, but I love the way God repeats Himself over and over and over. He keeps walking over the same ground again and again. It's as if he knows just how hard we'll find this. I imagine God whispering this in my ear as I driving down the Eastern Freeway again and some wonderful creature of God pulls in front of me, apparently on purpose, just to cut me off. And all I can imagine is some massive missile launcher on the front of my car. I imagine God whispering this in my ear as I'm again hurt by someone I care for and all I want to do is hurt in return. All I want to do is give as I've got. God reminds me that for those in Christ there's no retaliation, no revenge. And why? Because that's not our job. We of all people, we are the people who let God be God, even when it comes to paybacks. We are the people who, even as we rightly seek justice, and rightly stand up for others, we are the people who refuse to take justice into our own hands. Who refuse to take vengeance, whether it's with weapon or with word. Not even on Facebook. Instead, verse 20, just see it. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Actively and practically help those who hurt you, care for those who curse you, serve those who slander you. Why? Verse twenty goes on. In doing this, you will heap burning coals upon their head. Now, I suppose one way you could, I suppose, read that is a, it's the three. that's kind of you know, be nice, that'll get them. It, you know, be good, that'll really tick them off. But I don't think that's what Paul's shooting for. He rather, I think what he's saying is be loving even when they're not, to, to shame them, to, to turn them, to win them, to, to eliminate your enemy by making them your friend. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Do not fight fire with fire. Instead, quench that fire with love. Don't give in to the ways of the world. Hit as you've been hit and hurt as you've been hurt. When it comes to evil, Paul says it just won't work. It's not if you can't beat them, join them. No, you beat them by not joining them. You beat them with real and practical love. And so friends, as we wrap it up, let me ask again, this time without rock pull down, do you want to know what love is? Do you want God to show you? Because this is it. Just as Jesus did for us, And in view of God's mercies, it's sacrificially putting one another first with real, deep, persistent, practical love. And it's even sacrificially putting your enemies first for their good, for our good, and most of all, for his glory. And so as we draw to a close, friends, I want to ask... How can you love like this? Who, can you think who, can you love like this? Who can you actually and practically love today, at morning tea, when you go home, and then tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, as hard as it'll be? How can you love as you've been loved? Let's pray and ask for God's help to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with great thanks for your deep love for us, shown most clearly in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we thank you that while we were your enemies and we were your enemies, Christ died for us. Father, having seen this love and for those of us in the room who put our trust in you, for those of us who now know this love, Father, would you work in us that we would love others just like this. We pray at first for our brothers and sisters in Christ in the room here. Help us love the family of believers as you call us to. And even beyond this room and this people, we pray, Father, would you work in us as hard as it will be and as much as it goes against the flow of our culture. Our Father, please, would you help us love those who even set themselves against us as enemies. And we do pray this for their
0: good, for our own good, and most of all, for your glory. Amen.